Welcome to Sweet Talk. This broadcast is brought to you by the Continuing Education Workforce Training Division of Idaho State University's College of Technology. This podcast is part of our continuing outreach efforts and the format is conversational. We will be having conversations with businesses, professionals, entrepreneurs, community agencies, and in all cases, difference makers. Now, let's get started with Sweet Talk. Everybody. Welcome to the Sweet Podcast. My name is Gary Salazar. I'm the Director for Continuing Ed and Workforce Training. And today we're here with Jonathan Dudko and Paul Allen from the High Desert Chapter of the Idaho Master Naturalist. Did I say that right? Yes. Okay, great. Well, uh, well, thank you, uh, Paul and Jonathan. No, the other way around. Jonathan <laughs> and Paul. I did that on purpose, right? <laughs> Hey, we're glad to have you here. I've got a lot of great questions that I want to ask, but I'd sure like you to maybe start by introducing yourselves so you get to say what you want to say, who you are, you know, what you're doing with this would be a great entry. Would you like to start, Paul? I'd be happy to. Um, I retired from medicine approximately two years ago and immediately became uh, interested in contributing to the citizen sciences projects that are available uh, here locally. I've been volunteering with uh, the Forest Service, uh, BLM, uh, fish and Game, and various other organizations, even before I joined the Idaho Master Naturalist. We didn't have a chapter here in uh, Pocatello uh, at the time that I retired, but uh, uh, Tessa Atwood, who's affiliated with the uh, Fish and Game, uh, expressed an interest in restarting a program that had been act inactive since 2011. And a small group of uh, interested parties, Jonathan amongst them, um, put this together. Uh, we put it together and uh, introduced our first uh, program last January, and I'm counting it as a success. Well, great. I, I, I want to learn more about that, but let's go over you. Jonathan or John? What do you uh, like? John is great. John? Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about you. Are you you're a student? I'm a student. I'm a doctoral candidate. Doctoral in candidate? The, uh, uh, Department of Biology. Here at ISU. Here at ISU. Okay, great. And, and what's your background before that? Uh, I've been a wildlife biologist for about 10 years. Um, I worked with a federal agency down in Nevada uh, prior to beginning my graduate studies here. Okay. Are you, are you from Nevada? Are you from out of state? Uh, I'm from Texas. From Texas. All right. Sadly, comes up in every conversation with any Texan ever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're going to get back to that one. <laughs> All right. My first question for, for both of you, and, and you may have different answers. Great. Is, is I, I, the title that I see here is High Desert Chapter. We're in a high desert region, you know, 4,000 feet elevation, roughly. 4,500. 4,500, yeah. okay. Uh, we're high desert, so the name fits. But Idaho Master Naturalist, I don't know what a master naturalist is versus an, a naturalist. I'm, is there a distinction? Would you like me to take that one? Yeah, <laughs> by all means. Uh, the program was started back in the 1990s. started in Colorado, actually, uh, and has spread across the, uh, the continent. Uh, it was modeled after the Master Gardener um, project. Ah, okay. And uh, I would have to say that it must have uh, usurped the name for its own purposes. 
because the field of natural history is so vast that no one person could possibly become a master of all of these topics. So when I uh, think about that moniker, I think about it tongue in cheek to some degree right. because none of us are masters of, uh, of this topic. Uh, our local Southeast Idaho region has just a bounty of uh, fascinating natural uh, wonders to, to investigate. Jonathan's been focused on many of them up the, um, the Mink Creek drainage where he's uh, had, his, uh, had his research, uh, but they're widespread. Everything from the uh, Curlew grassland uh, on up to Craters of the Moon are uh, areas where we do uh, uh, our research. Uh, the program uh, initially started in Boise in uh, our state, and uh, Sarah Foch is uh, uh, in charge of our group. Uh, and uh, we have nine chapters throughout the state now, and ours is the newest here in Pocatello. It had been uh, started in 2008 here in Pocatello, uh, but became defunct several years later. We're restarting the chapter with a new name and a new focus, and uh, we're very optimistic. And you are the president of this chapter. I missed a meeting, and when I came back, I... <laughs> There's a lesson in that for all of our, all of our students out there. Don't miss those meetings. Yeah. So you, you're serving as the president, which means you're directing uh, the chapter? Well, we have a board, and okay. uh, we met last night, in fact. And uh, I'm very pleased with uh, uh, the members we have. We are all uh, contributors in a big way. I just kind of keep things organized. Okay, well, I kind of understand that. How many members is within the chapter now? How many members do you have? Well, we restrict our group to uh, 40 students each year. Ooh. So um, if everybody were to graduate, uh, the uh, program would expand <laughs> by 40 new participants every year. It is a fairly arduous program, I and mean, there's a lot of demand in terms of time and hours so uh, graduating approximately 50%, which is uh, about what we did this year, is actually uh, a commendable number. Not all chapters are able to do so, but the requirements to uh, become certified as a master naturalist uh, are somewhat demanding, and it should be. Wow, well, let's talk about that in a second too, about these requirements. I just want to understand a little bit better. You have a program that is about a year long, in which people participate in, and they become masters of something within this broad category? They what certify with the title of master naturalist. Okay. Once again, we, are, uh, All right. we have not mastered the title. Okay, but they have some, some expertise, some specialty maybe within, within that. And, and is yours going to be, uh, John, is yours going to be a biology? or something more specific within biology? Um, I'm sorry, you lost when, when When you graduate from mm -hmm. this program, okay. so, what will you be specialized in most? Uh, I don't know that there's any specific area in kind of specialization going on um, for me or any of the master naturalists. It, it helps provide a broad uh, kind of background in some of the natural sciences, ranging from ecology, organismal biology, um, we're, we're working really hard to get some geology thrown in the program, um, even some climate science. So it, it, yeah. it provides um, a more in-depth background for our participants than um, most of the general public might have. Okay. Want you something well, to add on to that? You know, the sciences have become highly specialized uh, uh, 
in recent centuries. There used to be such a thing as the Renaissance man and a natural historian who was uh, broadly knowledgeable. And we're kind of a throwback to that. We try to become broadly knowledgeable of the relationships amongst uh, um, things in the natural world, whether it be the soils or the rock types or the, the Bonneville flood that came through here and how it impacts what we're seeing on the landscape today. We focus on biological systems, uh, the plants and the animals, but uh, we try to be broader than that. Okay. We have a question from audience. Paul? Paul, yeah. um, so are your members mostly students or are they all students? Last year we made a recruitment effort and I thought it would be wonderful to get younger people involved in our program and so promoted uh, our program with the Boy Scouts and through the high schools. Okay. We're all retirees. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for the most part. We have the time. As I've mentioned before, uh, it is somewhat demanding of schedules and young people are busy. Right. Uh, although we'd love to foster this kind of interest in, uh, uh, in younger students as well. Paul, a little bit to your point. I think um, the diversity of participation we have across the community is one of the things that really struck me as being great. As um, you mentioned, uh, Paul's a retired doctor. We have other retired and practicing doctors um, we have teachers. I think there was a, was it a lineman from the gas company? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's really a broad spectrum of participation throughout the community. So, so the, go ahead, Paul. So is this a passion for natural yeah. um, that draws these people to the organization? And I think what Jonathan was trying to focus on is that they all bring a different perspective uh, to our group. We're a community of like-minded uh, Mm, environmentalists, if you want, or uh, natural historians, but we all have our own uh, backgrounds. And where most of us are older or retired, the experiences that we bring to the group uh, are valuable. One of the things I uh, ask our students to do is to prepare a topic of special interest and uh, uh, provide a, a short didactic of a half hour to an hour to the group. That way we get to know him, mm -hmm. he gets to know us, mm -hmm. he gets to learn and teach uh, based on his uh, past history and special knowledge. Is that one of the requirements that you had mentioned? It's entirely optional okay. uh, this particular fashion. Uh, there are specific requirements that we can talk about later, but this is actually something that uh, we have developed here in this local chapter uh, and uh, I think uh, it's going to be adopted in other chapters around the state. That as sounds well. like a great thing to do. I mean, is that open to the public as well, or is that just for the chapter attendees? It's just for the chapter uh, attendees. Yeah. Uh, we are having a open house type meeting. Uh, our first meeting of this coming year is uh, February 13th at the Idaho Fish and Game offices on Barton Road, and that is free to the public. Uh, we may be recruiting new members there as well, although spaces are limited. So they would have to, uh, <laughs> if space is already limited and you're already got a date, you already have a date out, then yeah. you are in the marketing and promotion business right now. How are people finding out about that so they can put it on the calendar and come? I guess I'll, is it okay? Uh, yeah, the place where we had the most success, I think, was at the environmental fair this past uh, uh, spring. Uh, we set up a booth and uh, 
some bling like moose, <laughs> moose heads and rocks you know, and things like that. And, yeah, uh, yeah. All right. And that, that tends to draw people in and then they, they put their email on a uh, roster and uh, we call them back. This is the one that took place down in the uh, in the park? In the park, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was pretty nice. I thought so too. Yeah, that had a lot of attendance. Um, okay, so you're looking for that as, as your open house where you'll start to invite more public, get more awareness in there. Uh, we got to put that on our calendar so we can go show up out there. What was the date of that again? February 13th. February 13th at 6 p.m. Uh, downstairs at the Fish and Game offices. Okay, and, and speaking of the Fish and Game offices, uh, do you have a central location where you all meet, where you, your office spaces are, or you just you go I've to the museum? I've been talking too much, Jonathan. Go to the museum, <laughs> go somewhere else. We, we don't have uh, full-time staff. We're entirely volunteer. Um, so I go on about my, uh, my school things, and Paul does his retired things. Uh, <laughs> well, we, we get together for board meetings and for the, uh, the, the weekly education sessions. Okay, all right. So are you looking for a place to hold those meetings right now, or do you, do you have spaces? Fish and game on the campus? We have space at the Fish and Game office. Okay, good. Well. Good to know. And if you expand and you need more space, you know, come back to us because we might be able to help with some of that here on the campus as well. Um, there's there's some positives from this. Cool. Well, talk to me about those requirements. I want to get back. What what are the requirements to go through your program and to complete? Is there a list? It's a very short list. Mm -hmm. um, the didactic part of the program is what we're starting in February, and it will continue uh, through June, perhaps mid June. Uh, we want to offer 50 to 60 hours of educational materials where we'll bring in experts in focused fields uh, to present their topic and answer questions. Um, typically, they bring a PowerPoint or some other video presentation. Sometimes they'll bring, let's see, what are we having on our first? We're having SCAT. SCAT uh, and mammalogy. All right. Uh, <laughs> there's a little How crossover. interesting, yes. <laughs> Actually, it sounds fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big hit last year, so we, we, we'd uh, bring it back. Um, the students are required to complete 40 hours of uh, those educational materials. That's quite a lot, but it's easy to fit in uh, during those uh, weekly meetings. We meet every Thursday uh, from, for roughly two and a half hours. And uh, that adds up pretty quickly to uh, complete your 40 hours of educational requirements uh, during those first months of the program. Are those like, do you assess that they've learned the material or is it just you've got to be there and attend and listen to it? Um, this is, uh, we tried to be a little more formal uh, at the game. We work on the honor system. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's no formal assessment. So All right. <laughs> That's just the first component. Okay, uh, what else? So gradually during that time, we introduce uh, volunteer opportunities. We call them opportunities to make them sound more desirable. <laughs> <laughs> Some of it's um, tearing down fences and... Uh, Somebody's got to collect the scat. So. Yeah, well... <laughs> Um, but some of them are truly uh, fun, as I'm sure we'll get into uh, a little bit later. Um, but uh, volunteerism is a focus of okay. uh, this program, and we are affiliated with uh, many other organizations in the area. And we're kind of a clearinghouse for uh, volunteer opportunities in the natural sciences and in conservation 
and in education. Those are the three areas where uh, this program focuses. Okay. And we can volunteer in any of those areas. We pick and choose the volunteer opportunities that interests us because there are dozens and dozens of them. During the calendar year before January, or January 1st of the following year, uh, you're required to uh, complete 40 hours of volunteer okay. uh, work as well. So 40 hours of education, 40 hours of volunteer work, and then you get a pin that says Idaho Master Naturalist and possibly some other bling too. <laughs> you know, I, this, this number keeps creeping up, 40 hours of education, 40 hours of volunteerism. Weren't there 40 students as well? Mm -hmm. <laughs> How does that? Is that is, yeah. All right. So, I have a question. What's the difference between an environmentalist and a naturalist? Uh, so I, I would presume that an environmentalist would be more focused on um, the environment, which would be abiotic conditions like uh, weather, soil conditions, and water quality, perhaps. Um, whereas a naturalist, um, I would think less of a uh, rigorous scientific focus as opposed to like environmental science. So, uh, so environmentalists might be uh, more concerned about the uh, quality of the environment, mm -hmm. whereas a naturalist has an appreciation of the nature around them. Yes. I think that's mm -hmm. largely true. Okay. Um, you know, an environmentalist looks at the interrelatedness of uh, of everything within how the environment, how it's connected, and how a manipulation or a change in one factor might affect uh, other factors, have a cascading uh, effect. As a naturalist, uh, I think it's legitimate to focus on specific topics, which we do during the program. We'll have a focused uh, talk about uh, trout species of Idaho, for instance, and their feeding habits. We're not looking at the environmental factors during that uh, particular program. We're learning about trout. Okay. Uh, but they are very similar. So um, the speakers that you have come for the didactic portions, are these those volunteers that come and give their time freely? Yeah, those are volunteers. Um, last year in our program, we had uh, speakers who are professors at ISU. We had uh, professionals working with uh, state and federal agencies, like, uh, BLM, Forest Service, uh, Idaho Fish and Game, uh, Idaho Department of Environmental Quality, the Idaho Department of Agriculture, I mean, the, the list goes on. So really, <clears throat> we've had um, representatives from um, all different little corners of the natural resource world. So you could say that these outside participants support your organization mm -hmm. um, and want to see that, see, see that the people develop and grow. Well, many are motivated just by wanting to give to the community and enjoy teaching. And they're some of our best presenters. Mm -hmm. Some of our affiliate organizations are working under the anticipation that we're going to volunteer for them and, <laughs> and help them out. And that's legitimate. They want to train us to be knowledgeable in uh, to meet their needs as volunteers. Um, so learning about trout means someday you might help them actually count the fish on a fish count. Sure. And, and, and that would lead to my next question. Well, you mentioned the volunteerism. What are some of the things that you do for volunteer work? I made a list. Do you have your list? Um, I, I left it in my desk. But I have it in my head. <laughs> Let's take a look at your list. <laughs> Here it is. It's big. <laughs> Two sides. <laughs> 
I might just run down some of the things that I did. I mean, there's a okay. lot of things on this list that... Yeah, just uh, kind of give us an example, a taste of what, uh, what people would do to volunteer. Well, okay. Um, oh, there's one coming up that uh, Chuck Peterson, Dr. Peterson, I think you may have interviewed him here, possibly. He's Dr. the uh, herpetologist, uh, reptiles and amphibians. And he's putting... Well, he's an excellent speaker, he, he come, but he's proposing a project to sample the wetlands around the Caribou uh, Targhee National Forest uh, for the DNA of the breeding amphibians in our area. It's a new technology uh, called EDA, do I have that right? EDNA. EDNA. Uh, Jonathan, you know more about this than I do. Uh, Tell us, tell us about well, so your, your, uh, the technology um, and capacity of genetic analyses have progressed to the point where you can actually pick out bits of DNA present in the environment. So you can take a water sample, run. Oh, geez, I'm sorry. I, what a great discussion there. We're going to go ahead and uh, have to stop that right now. Uh, and close this out, but hang on to that because I'd like to come back and have you finish that very briefly. Um, sorry, everybody, but we're at the end of this, this fascinating conversation here. Our time is up. Um, thanks to Jonathan uh, Ditko and Paul Allen from High Desert Chapter of the Idaho Master Naturalist um, talking to us today. I've learned a little bit more. This has been fascinating. I'd like to learn a little bit more uh, after this. Uh, I hope everybody in the audience, everybody who's watching this uh, today has had a chance to glean something from this. You got another question, yes, Paul? Yes, I know. I've been full of questions. I love this. Love this. Um, if anyone was interested in joining your organization or getting hold of you, how would they do that? Man, I was going to get to that, but okay. Yeah, I jumped the gun. Paul's very interesting. Yeah, I can read it, but wouldn't it be nice to have it posted on your? It will, it will be, but, yeah. but why don't you go and say it anyway? Okay. It, there'll be people um, who aren't watching. <laughs> my email is pokey, P-O-K-Y, Allen, my last name, A-L-L-E-N, at hotmail.com. And right now I'm the one that's compiling the list of interested parties. Uh, alternately, you can contact Tessa Atwood, Tessa, T-E-S-S-A, dot Atwood, A-T-T-W-O-O-D, at IDFG, that's for Idaho Fishing Game, IDFG.idaho.gov. There are also, um, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to provide phone numbers. That's fine. No, that's good. That's great. So thank you. And so to finish this up here, uh, thanks to everybody for joining us here at Sweet Talk. We hope you've learned everything. If you want to learn more about this or check out what we do at Continuing End Workforce Training, please check in at uh, cetrain.isu.edu. And thanks for joining us for Sweet Talk today. Thank you. We're out. Hang on. Hang on. Don't go away. Continuing Education Workforce Training Suite is comprised of professionals dedicated to serving your educational needs. We understand that when it comes to your future, it's all about you. Because our staff and faculty have real-world experience actually doing what they teach, our students obtain the skills and knowledge they are looking for to be competitive in today's marketplace. For more information, please visit our website, ctrain.isu.edu. That is ctrain.isu.edu. Or call us at 208 208- 
So let's finish this conversation about, <laughs> about eDNA. Yeah. All right. So we were talking about we can trace DNA through other organisms. Through water samples. Yeah. Water sample. Explain that. Uh, well, so back uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, DNA analyses really incredibly expensive and took a long time. Um, you know, spent nearly a decade cracking the human genome. And now you can spend $120 on... Um, your was it 23andMe profile and mm -hmm. get the results back quickly enough through the mail. Um, <clears throat> the scientists can take a water sample, um, do an analysis of the DNA present in that water sample, and infer which species are present in the environment. And so can I? Can I? Would I be able to determine if I came from the environment somehow through this water sample? If you, if you were my water sample, water. if you were swimming, the cool thing about amphibians is they're obligate water breeders. They have to go to water to breed. And they only do that during three months of the year from May through July. So the plan is to sample the water samples when the amphibians are actually in the water breeding and so we can uh, assess their, their DNA. Because amphibians are particularly difficult to observe uh, as adult creatures crawling through the, uh, the shrubbery and the underbrush. They hide, they like moist environments under rocks and the like. You don't know if they're there. So to get an accurate census, uh, this will be a very powerful tool. I cool. Think. Very cool. That was Thanks. Cool. That that's that's very interesting, gentlemen. Thank you for coming out. Thank We're done. Mind. This was this was went by very quickly. It did go yeah. back. <laughs> okay. <laughs>